Hello everyone and thank you so much as always for clicking on this podcast and this particular episode of Joe Blogs about films. Whether you're a first time listener or a long time listener, like I stay on every episode, thank you for your support, it really means the world. The plot thickens on AMC's Daryl Dixon as Daryl continues his quest to find a way back to America, running into quite a few bumps in the road in this week's episode. Now episode 3 was okay, it wasn't at the same level as the first two episodes, but it still did deliver on some really ace walker action which which for me was the standout. On top of some marvellous work that the team behind the set design and location design have put in too, making every corner of France feel completely overgrown and run down with its dingy and mouldy colours, as well as, you know, plenty of vines and like shrubbery all over, both practical and from visual effects. This episode had some really great CGI when it came to the backdrop and making the surroundings look apocalypse-esque with things like the Eiffel Tower in the distance all broken down and just the wider landscapes looking super impressive but then it also had some rather weak CGI parts for example when the walkers were falling out of the windows in the building of the apartments or whatever it's kind of like a running gag that The Walking Dead does have poor CGI moments and this episode seems to take inspiration from that. But in terms of the wider picture we do learn more of Lauren's parentage as to more little pockets of information surrounding the bad guys um, I believe they were called The Cause initially anyways when I was doing my notes for the first episode they were called The Cause but now called Pouvoir de Vivant Power of the Living. Um, so we learn a little bit more about those guys and also just seeing how things have changed and yet somehow stayed the same within certain parts of France. But before we do dive any further into this episode, it is available, of course, on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, as to rss.com. Jump onto the socials, Instagram and Facebook, search your blogs about films and give us a like and follow on there. If you could too, hit notification wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast from, you'll be notified when the new episode is uploaded. And finally, please hit those five-star reviews. That would mean the absolute world. Now, I will get to the power of the living, as they're now called, in a tick, but I firstly want to go over how much I enjoyed the walkers in this episode. I'm actually enjoying how much of a threat the walkers have become recently in the Walking Dead world. I know we've, I know they've always been some form of a threat but it was really the people that were the real monsters of the show. That is still the case now, of course, but you know, if you've survived this long, you'll have had to have done some things, really bad things to get here, you know what I mean? But the walkers just seem rejuvenated in a way since maybe the Whisperers arc in The Walking Dead. It definitely got a little bit more intense with The Walkers then, and it seems to have just grown and grown with the evolution of these shows. Like, Negan and Maggie had to deal with mainly a new surrounding and setting in their show. And The Walkers, again, they weren't really much of a threat. They were more like just like, you know, a hindrance almost to that wider picture of getting Herschel back. But Daryl's show really keeps you on your toes with every turn, especially since they've got acid blood, as we've established. There were quite a few key moments in this episode that stood out out revolving the walkers obviously i've mentioned the walkers falling from the buildings you know smashing windows in the process but i thought it was ace like following that moment how daryl used one of the walkers to like burn through the vines that were blocking a particular exit i said in episode one review that i did how these new walkers being introduced means that daryl has to think more outside the box as to how he can either evade them or stop these walkers and he did so perfectly in this moment saving he and isabel from the growing numbers of walkers that were swarming them in contrast you have the emotional hit as well that isabel feels when she sees the little girl from the last episode in the flashback she's now deceased and reanimated and he's reaching out and snarling at the two of them it was traumatic for Isabel to see this knowing that she left behind this little girl when the outbreak was starting ultimately 
you know, killing her in the process. Now, with Isabel's newfound beliefs, this will really hit home, especially seeing as Laurent was born and her whole life now revolves around his safety. And we can't really talk about the walkers and not mention the brilliant opening of this episode. This was probably my favourite moment, as I always love to see what The Walking Dead can do to make walkers stand out. And nothing stands out than seeing walkers all positioned and propped perfectly to being on a stage playing music in a theatre. I was grinning ear to ear at this and having a wry giggle or two. You know, Daryl and Isabel have made a detour to find a potential radio for Daryl to use, and in doing so, they bump into a bit of an odd character who sadly has used these radio parts to help play music from a vinyl player that then he plays conductor and has all these walkers like banging on drums and hitting cymbals or my personal favorite he's lodged trumpets in the walkers windpipes when they make a snarl or a groan music played out of them absolutely fantastic and batshit crazy but i loved it i thought it was great now my final point on the walker front is the weird experiments that the power of the living are actioning i said that we would come to these guys shortly and we don't really see too much about this but the sequence that we do get is very intriguing again it's very crm with how they're experimenting on walkers in the walking dead world beyond spin-off show but here we have a lab that has a walker like head in a jar with fluid and all sorts and then we then have a walker chained to the wall both hands on either side and basically it looks like whatever they've given this walker has made it highly aggressive. Now, I'm assuming more will follow of this, but it's certainly an eye-opener to see how far people will go to utilise walkers. Like, this doesn't look like a case of these people searching for a cure. It's, it's like way past that point now, and it's a case of, let's see what we can do to use walkers as a weapon. Because this walker was not only fast and, and aggressive, but it was really strong. Like, it yanked out those chains from the wall and came charging at that glass. I was really like, this This could be fantastic and a great explanation as to why France has got such variant walkers. Now, I'm thinking, like I said, the reason the walkers have acid blood in France is down to these people and these experiments. Now, this episode has some absolutely marvellous locations and scenery from graveyards to nightclubs, and it was extremely jarring seeing the nightclub in The Walking Dead world, like kind of makes sense in a way, everyone trying to get things to some normality, but it was still odd. And I found it also strange seeing everyone so dressed up in this nightclub, danced about this and that, and you've got Daryl in there just looking, Daryl, bless him, you know what I mean? It's so, so off. And it's also alien, you know, for the likes of Laurent, who has no idea what this place is. And again, very eye-opening for him. It's showing him what life was like before everything fell and this is just a small glimpse of what Isabel and his mum had. Speaking of which, really lovely as well when Laurent was given the photograph of his mother outside of the Eiffel Tower, and he was then proceeding to show it to Daryl and the others. I thought that was really, really lovely. It just makes sense as well that he would clutch onto anything he can find and learn about his mum, obviously never having met the lady, you know. But whilst we're talking about Laurent, we also found out who in fact his father is. Now, it's something that hadn't been spoken about and obviously the Union of Hope believed that he was like the next Jesus and was just conceived spiritually or something ridiculous. However, the awful character that we saw in the last episode named Quinn, played by Adam Negatis, who Isabel stole the car from and left stranded, he is in fact Quinn's father. Apparently had a bit of a fling with Isabel's sister before the apocalypse and here we are. Now, I really don't like this character. I do not like this character, Quinn. I get that we're not supposed to like him. Hell, even Daryl, he hates him and makes it extremely clear that he hates him, but I really don't want want to get bogged down with like a former love interest and someone else that's out to get Isabel and the crew I don't feel any of his motives or actions are true on him as well it's all like an act for Isabel which I get that's part of the character and we're going to see that develop probably but I don't know there's just I just I really don't want another set of bad guys after 
them as lo- with other bad guys as well. Like, he's found out now that he's the father to Laurent, but I personally don't think he even cares about that. He's more pissed at Isabel for leaving him stranded and going off. Now, Isabel knows as well that he has a right to know that he is the father, but it changes nothing in her eyes. Like, she still needs to protect Laurent and get him to where they need to go next. And Quinn was never part of that equation, you know. However, now it seems that... I think this character is going to play like devil's advocate on both sides, but I really, really don't like him. I know we're not supposed to like him, but I just don't like this where that's going. Do you know what I mean? Now, Quinn also runs this nightclub, and to get to said nightclub, the crew had to wander through the catacombs, which I was super thrilled to see, as you can't have a zombie apocalypse show in France and not see the catacombs. As Eric Ebune's Falu Bukar stated, we've survived one plague, we will survive another. There was always this sense of like hope as well in this episode that I really liked. Obviously from this character, Falu Bukar, who's also got his settlement and his community there. They've resided just out of distance of obviously where the Eiffel Tower is. And it was some great, as I say, a great setup for them. It just looked really cool. Like they put everything together and they had such a lovely view as well and they were managing to sustain and live as normal life as possible. But the thing is, is that like anywhere, like I just said, if you're surviving now, you've got to have done bad things. There's bad people everywhere. But ultimately, where this settlement is, we do encounter Codron and the, you know, power of the living as they turn up, catching up with Daryl thanks to Quinn. And here we have some mega, mega plot convenience by keeping this guy alive. Like, I get that he's on this revenge story and this crusade because Daryl killed his brother. I get it. I thought that scene as well with him and, was it Jeanet that he was chatting to, I believe, in a character called, like, the leader, and she was having a cigarette while they were doing so before we got to see the experiment side of it. I love that conversation, like, when he was saying, like, I made a promise to my parents i would look after my brother this american guy has made me a liar and now i'm not going to stop at anything i get it completely but i don't like it when we have opportunities so many opportunities for like the bad character that could have been taken out but isn't like daryl had so many opportunities when they were jumping across the rooftops to be able to take this character out and i just hate it when the walking dead does this it's very notorious for doing this like the hero has the villain in sight in range literally could take him out at any point but then something stops them as much as like you look back at season eight like the rick and negan fights were fantastic in season eight but how many times did rick have negan in the palm of his hand able to kill him and he doesn't i'm counting three off the top of my head and he doesn't even kill him obviously when we do get to it but you know what i mean like there was so many opportunities for that to happen and daryl could have done this again with codron on this rooftop you know they're, they're having fisticuffs they're like daryl's got his you know knife or whatever with the knuckle duster on at the end that's getting flung here there and everywhere even grabs a bottle smashes it on him and you're thinking if you've just if you've done the hard bit of smashing the bottle over this guy you've broke the glass you've got obviously like you know a bit of like a shard glass in your hand why is he not using it to take him out he knows this guy is a bad person you know what i mean so i don't really understand why you then try to choke hold him. Do you know what I mean? I was like, what is that about? So I really don't like it when the show does that. I think it was just, un- it was needless. I think if anything, just have them escape or something. You don't have to have some kind of altercation between the two of them or even, better yet, don't even bother wasting our time including that because it's just to say it's all for the sake of padding out the runtime. And again, I don't know how much that's going to like develop the characters moving forward. It's just another another set piece incident or whatever that will probably be forgotten about in a couple of episodes time. But as I say, the revenge plot for Codron, it is really good. It's just that I don't want it to get silly. I don't want it just to be like a constant goose chase of where Daryl's going. He's going to turn up and follow him breadcrumbs. I just, I hope it just makes sense. But more so with all of that, I'm more interested in what they're doing with these experiments of walkers, this and that, because that was really, really cool. 
But yeah, episode three, it was fine. It wasn't as good. It's, the, it's definitely the one where I finished it and gone, well, that's the first time I've felt a little bit, not deflated, but just a little bit meh about the episode because the first two, like I said, the first one was fantastic and the second one, as I said in my last episode, was such a great character piece and character study on Isabel that this week's, it just felt a little bit... I don't know if it just felt almost like out out of the blue, you know, a bit a bit too much, especially with like the nightclub and stuff. I know what they were going for with it, and it's nice to see a difference around the different setting, but I did find it quite jarring. But hey, more importantly, I'd love to know what you think. Are you still enjoying Daryl Dixon's season? Only three episodes left of this. I can't believe they're doing these six episodes. I always want it to be a little bit longer, but at the same time, I'd rather do less and still be grand than just pad it out again and just, you know, fall off the edge of a cliff, you know what I mean? But we've got another season still to come with this. But I, I'm intrigued to say I want some... I'm expecting the next three episodes to really ramp up, and we'll see, because we're now at the halfway point. What is going to come next for us? How many of these Walker variants are we going to see? Are they going to throw it at us? Who knows? Remains to be seen, but I'd love to know your thoughts. Thank you, as always, for clicking on this podcast and for listening. Do get in touch and let us know on the socials what you think of, obviously, Daryl or whatever it is I'm talking about. It means the absolute world. But until the next episode, take care.